Welcome to this special edition of the Sphin podcast, an episode all dedicated to COP27. Along this episode, you will listen to many different voices of youth from different countries in the global south, experiencing climate change in their communities. You will get to know the issues they're facing, but also the solutions that they are proposing and the requests that they have for world leaders joining COP27. But first of all, let's listen to Molly Brennan, consultant for Environment, Climate, Gender and Social Inclusion at IFAD, and let's find out from her what the Slow Food Youth Network and IFAD are planning together for COP27. On November the 10th, the UN International Youth Day will take place during COP27 in Egypt. To celebrate the role of youth as part of the solution to the climate crisis, IFAD and Slow Food Youth Network are joining forces in a quiz show like no other. The event will provide a multi-sensory, immersive experience connecting the audience at COP27 with the lives and ambitions of youth innovators, leaders and activists. The game show will question panellists on how they would like to take charge towards ensuring a just transition in greening economies while strengthening social justice. Climate change ranks among one of the most important drivers shaping the livelihoods of the future of work for youth. Young people are not only victims of the climate crisis, they are also valuable contributors to climate action. They are agents of change, entrepreneurs and innovators. Whether through education, science and technology, young people are scaling up their efforts and using their skills to accelerate climate action. The Just Transition Declaration signed at COP26 recognised the need to ensure that no one is left behind in the transition to net zero, putting rural youth at the heart of multilateral discussions on climate change and adaptation strategies is key for a successful COP27. This interactive quiz show will give the floor to youth actions making a concrete positive impact in the fight against climate change. A sound installation will create an immersive space for the audience to discover the voices behind our food system. This was Molly Brennan from IFAD. And now let's get deeper into the topic of climate change. How is it affecting our communities in the Global South? My name is Luis Alfonso Pino. I come from Valle del Cauca, Colombia, from a village called El Carmen Pereda Hondo. I work in the field of agriculture and community work. The climate has changed a lot in the recent years. Let's say that the crop cycles, as we had established, have now been modified a bit because it's either very hot or when it rains, there is a lot of rain. So there is a lot of impact on the crops due to these climate extremes. I am Samantha Fabris from Brazil. I am a nutritionist and also a cooker in a state of Brazil called Goiás, which has a biome called Cerrado, which has been really, really, really devastated uh, for cattle uh, raising 
and uh, for uh, planting soy and corn. And that has been affecting a lot on the temperature and actually even the uh, landscapes and destroying many uh, different uh, animals and different uh, varieties of trees. And that's uh, really bad because Cerrado is a really important source of water to the whole Brazil and uh, to the Amazon. So the Amazon doesn't have water if the Cerrado does not exist. So this is a really impact in the climate at all. I am Gégé Jean Martial from the Ivory Coast. I am a member of the Slow Food Youth Network in my country, and I think this is one of the reasons why I am active in slow food, because global warming is hurting our community. We know that climate change affects our food, it dries out crops. Producers are not able to produce food well. There is often drought here. There is also heat, which obviously disrupts the activities of the producers and increases their fatigue. I am Daniel Maches, or Kumafor. Uh, I come from an indigenous tribe in the northern part of the Philippines called the Igorots, but specifically I'm part of the Lias tribe. So I am also a coffee farmer advocating for the conservation of our rainforest uh, through ecological approaches. And at the same time, I'm a journalist. Definitely our community is uh, affected uh, by climate change because uh, we are seeing a change in climatic patterns. Uh, even our elders say that, that uh, in the past it used to be sunny at this particular period of the year, but now it's uh, rainy. So they are noticing the changes. Uh, even with the arrival of uh, uh, certain species of birds coming from uh, other countries, uh, they're, 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 they're not seeing that anymore. So that could have been uh, due to the change in climatic pattern. My name is Murilo Juruna. I live in Brazil, in the northern region of the state of Pará in the Jurona village at kilometer 17, village Boa Vista, more precisely in the north, in the region of the middle Xingu. We know that the biodiversity and the forest that we have around our villages is basically what helps us live and breathe what is really flowing in the world. And so, many times, the burning that happens in our region is basically what ends up suffocating the people. We don't have really clean air to live in what is our natural world. We know that the climate change affects so many indigenous and peoples from the rivers, as well as all the people of the world itself. The fires that happen in the forest cause the loss and failure of the soil, and especially the seeds that are there in the soil. Okay, my name is Gibson. I'm from Ghana. Um, I work with an NGO and also a member of Slow Food. Yeah, we work with rural farmers, those in the rural areas who deal in sustainable processing. We advocate for their rights. We help them in linking them to markets and also some of them too who are into processing. We help them in training and sometimes sensitization. Since most of these farmers are now live, are living in communities that we have uh, a problem known as Galamse in Ghana. Galamse, if I should say, it is uh, illegal mining, which is done by a, 
nationals and uh, Chinese nationals, Ghanaians and Chinese nationals, whereby they cut down especially cocoa trees or they destroy pl uh, farm plantations and start to mine for gold and other things. So it has, it has affected uh, the farmer's business and at the end of the day, the climate is also being affected. Raúl Mondragón Segura, de la Ciudad de México. My name is Raúl Mondragón Segura from Mexico City. I have an organization, Colectivo Auejote, which works with peasants and small-scale producers in Mexico City, and we mainly collaborate with Chinampas farmers who have been preserving an ancestral form of agriculture that has been almost lost in the city. So, our mission is to empower the community to recover and reactivate Chinampas agriculture and, in both ways, to conserve the city's ecosystems. The Chinampas community has been affected by climate change at different levels. Mainly, there are changes in the seasons. The sun is more intense. It burns the crops. And in the city where the Chinampas are, it is a wetland, and the same climate change is causing the water sources to be lost. Um, I'm Mokiola Olajimoke Rachel from Nigeria. Um, I'm, uh, I teach, I'm an agricultural science teacher in a community high school in Nigeria. And, uh, I also garden. I have a garden in my house where I plant different things. And, uh, most crops are now, uh, during their season, we don't have them more. Like, uh, unlike before, when we know they have a longer length of, uh, length of uh, time, when we enjoy them, now they are here for a shorter time. You know, we have uh, Agbalumo, it's usually between uh, November to February, but I think the last one we enjoyed was just for a few months before everything left. And uh, mangoes are not usually, they are not there again, like uh, just for a few months and they are gone. So we are just looking for ways to make them available, like through preservations and everything. So I see the way it's just affecting everything. Our vegetables are not, they are not lasting anymore probably due to addition of this and that, uh, soil issues, different things. So uh, I see the way climate change is affecting everything. My name is Lucas Mourão. I'm 30 years old and I'm from Belo Horizonte in Brazil. I am an educator and landscape designer. Climate change has a big impact on the lives of all of us in the cities, especially with the rise in temperature, which makes people very uncomfortable in their homes, and also causes this greater dependence on water resources that are increasingly scarce. So, it's a cycle that is becoming worse and worse, and that also affects people in the countryside, who produce food for the city. My name is Elfas Masanga, I come from Kenya. I'm the coordinator of Slow Food Youth Network in Kenya, also do communication part of the Slow Food Youth Network in Africa. Being a coordinator of Slow Food Youth Network in Kenya, I'm, I'm working with some young people who are, who are young farmers, they are youth farmers. And I will say, because of change in climate, a lot is happening in terms of these young people are no longer experiencing the rains we used to experience before in their farm. So this one uh, great impact that has been caused by climate change because they no longer receive the rain they used to receive before and this affects their production in terms of food because mostly they rely on um, 
rain-fed agriculture for them to produce any food at their home. So this means so many young people that are, are under my network are no longer producing food because there's no water for irrigation. My name is Glorious Zania Itongwa. I am from the community Slow Food Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I am a student, I study law, and also I am in a community of young people who work in processing local organic products for preserving local biodiversity. Climate change has disrupted our activities, because in my community we normally have season schedules. We know that in the rainy season we have to cultivate, but with climate change, sometimes, instead of the rain, the sun comes out and dries things. So now, we don't actually know how to maximize our harvest yields. Changing seasonal patterns, drought, lack of water, biodiversity loss, these are the most common problems related to climate change. But which solutions can we have? On the local level, we can act with small things, let's say, by changing our habits of consumption by privileging small producers, favoring people who have environmentally friendly farming methods, such as ecology, organic farming, or all the branches of alternative agriculture. And for us as farmers, let's say that agriculture has one of the biggest impacts on global warming in the world, as it has completely ruined many ecosystems and deforested them for large monocultures. So I also have a message for our farmer friends that the transition to alternative agriculture is more than a business now, more than a fashion or more than a lesson. It is a necessity, it is an urgency. We have to look at ecological alternative ways of growing our food. It is possible to do it and it is also profitable to do it. Uh, I think we need to pressure the government. Nowadays, uh, we have a president that really uh, doesn't care about this. Uh, uh, in a scenario uh, in Brazil that people are like uh, back in the map of hungry in the world. So we have uh, the both sides um, not talking to each other. And I don't think uh, we are pressuring uh, politics enough. On the one hand, we need to raise awareness so that we don't take actions that could worsen the climate crisis. And so, we would like to call on the governments to really focus on the issue. Uh, I believe there is a solution, and I believe that that solution comes from uh, uh, local engagements. Uh, uh, they may be the most affected, but they are also the ones uh, uh, with the power to be able to do something about it through grassroots uh, action. So, uh, in our community, for example, we have uh, one of the most pristine, uh, we have the, one of the last remaining forests in the Philippines. So uh, uh, our, our, our community has been uh, protecting this uh, forest for centuries and uh, this forest plays a critical role in sequestering carbon, which uh, as they say is responsible for climate change. At the same time, our, uh, by preserving our culture, our mindset of looking at the land um, as, uh, as uh, crucial to our survival will also help because uh, that allows us to uh, nurture or care for the land and it, the resources instead of exploiting them. I think one of the solutions would be 
I think that one of the solutions will be to really have a vision for the indigenous people, because the indigenous peoples are carrying out 78% of the preservation of the Amazon forest. We are not going to deforest in order to build our village itself. We are going to use what is necessary and basic for us, for our survival. Both in terms of trees, food, seeds, plants, animals and fish. Since we use that to survive, it is not something that we consume on a large scale to produce for the whole world. We know how to preserve and take good care of it, because it is our house itself. I believe that the solution goes through several points, both at individual and collective level. I am carrying out a very strong work of promoting a vegetarian diet for people that includes more and more biodiversity. But we also have to think on a collective level. We have to put pressure on our governments to act with public policies that punish the people who contribute to the increase of climate change impacts and favor or reward the people who contribute to the reduction of climate change impacts. One uh, thing that I feel needs to be done by each and every person is to focus more on um, tree planting. Uh, a lot of deforestation uh, is the main cause of whatever we're experiencing as climate change. So I will maybe request and say that if there's any, any way one or person can participate in planting trees, this can be um, one solution to the uh, change we are facing in terms of climate change. Another reason is also to uh, look or find a solution on the production of um, greenhouse gases. So many people are farming using chemicals and in one way or another this uh, 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 contributes to the production of greenhouse gases. So we need also to think on sustainable farming solutions that produce less of uh, greenhouse gases. First of all, we should promote environmental protection laws and also teach people to actually avoid doing things that can affect the environment. In the event Sven is organizing with IFAR at COP27, we will discuss tools that youth have to support local agriculture and to face the climate crisis. One of these tools consists in green finance. But what is green finance? The UN Environment Programme defines it like this. Green financing is to increase the level of financial flows, banking, microcredit, insurance and investment from the public, private and non-for-profit sectors to sustainable development priorities. A key part of this is to better manage environmental and social risks, take up opportunities that bring both a decent rate of return and environmental benefit and deliver greater accountability. Okay, but what does this mean in practice? Let's listen to Ajibike Fulmilayo Olawale, Chief Operation Officer and Co-Founder at JR Farms Nigeria Limited, who is going to be one of the panelists at our COP27 event. Green finance is basically any form of finance that supports projects that are environmental friendly. Green finance can help mitigate the effect of climate change in local areas if we sponsor projects that can help change some day-to-day -day practices like um, water-saving shower aids. It will help in conserving water, recycling products or waste, just like what we are doing with the cassava field in the factory at 
Zambia, we recycle cassava peel and process it into livestock feed. We also asked Hubert Tuigowa, also a panelist at our event at COP27 and CEO at Family Green Corporation in Cameroon, FGC, how microfinance can be applied to support local projects. From my experience of the problems of rural families, we have been working since 2016 to improve the living condition of these populations. We have always focused on the problems related to the value chain of agricultural activities in our country and their impact on the lifestyle of farmers. This is why the FGC focuses its efforts on combating the effects of climate change in rural areas, promoting sustainable agriculture, protecting animal and plant biodiversity, and supporting development. This has enabled us to access microfunding in the green job areas to enable us to improve our organization's activities. Some projects funded by microfunding were related to local aquaculture, support of ginger farmers and also projects to empower local indigenous communities through sustainable agriculture. One of the projects that Family Green Corporation supported thanks to microfinance consisted in training the population of Lake Lacuo in Cameroon in the production of biogas and the improvement of local agriculture. In this lake there was an invasive plant whose proliferation was an obstacle in the reproduction of fish. The population of this locality was dependent on fishing and so it was forced to migrate to the city for new opportunities. But by turning the invasive plant into biogas, this not only contributed in reducing its quantity in the lake, but also it generated a new source of income for the people. With the invasive plant, they now also produce an organic fertilizer, which can be applied to local agriculture. And now let's hear the input of Zainarin Ankang on green finance. Zainarin is the founder of the social enterprise Hill Wild with an effort to elevate the income of indigenous farmers. Hill Wild is based in northeast of India where indigenous farmers farm spices, fruits and nuts and they make them into value-added products such as chocolates, confectionery and dried fruits. In order to avoid investments cascading environmental crisis, the finance industry will need to understand how SDGs will reshape the investment landscape. The time has come to embrace the concept of true long-term investing, not short-term or immediate gain, which, but this requires a shift in supporting investment opportunities that will secure a sustainable future for all. As the world progresses to development and industries enabling high growth, we need to factor in people who work for nature inherently. For example, in many indigenous communities, including mine, we are the stewards of nature for the longest time. We have been balancing agriculture, livelihood, and nature without harming. But is there a measure of investment to it? How often does investment come to such communities? How often indigenous communities are protected? Given these questions, I would like to say, leave no one behind. We are in the business of protecting the earth and the people behind it. So green finance is the future of the financial sector and it is inclusive, not destructive. <laughs>
would like to end this episode by leaving a space to the youth who have contributed in the creation of this episode so that they can put forward their requests to the world leaders joining COP27. It is necessary to listen deeply and pause slow in front of peasants or indigenous peoples who carry out processes of conservation of agro-ecosystems or native ecosystems because these people protect all these spaces by vocation. From their birth, there is a spiritual consciousness. There are customs. Their sense of protection is rooted in them. I ask you to look to all South America carefully because we are going through a difficult time where people are really in hunger, which is a serious problem. And sometimes I see uh, that uh, the first world <laughs> doesn't understand uh, how it's uh, the daily basis life in those countries. And um, what's the importance of uh, preserving our biodiversity to keep these um, um, away um, uh, from our reality, and uh, this is, has everything to do with the climate change. Uh, we are asking the leaders who are joining the COP27 please, please uh, take into consideration local perspectives, especially the voice of the indigenous people, because uh, even the United Nations recognizes that the indigenous people are the one of the last hope of humanity uh, uh, with reference to climate change by recognizing the rights I expect the leaders to at least have a plan and a vision and take it serious in a way that if they don't work on it it is going to affect the next generations in terms of food and even our health They shall turn to see what we are doing as young people so that they can see that our actions are generating a positive social and environmental impact. Encourage through their actions, through the policies they give, um, through uh, the different uh, regulations and laws. You know, if they can just use that to encourage us um, and encourage our our um, campaigns and advocacy towards uh, you know biodiversity, uh, towards uh, encouraging uh, different things that we are doing just to improve the climate instead of this uh, eroding and every other thing that is happening to, to the land. We just want them to you know be actively involved. It's not just about leadership. It's about what happens at the grassroots level.
Thank you for listening to the Slow Food Youth Network podcast. We invite you to join our event, Harnessing Voices of Rural Youth for a Greener Future, a multi-sensory game show, on November the 10th at COP27. In the podcast description, you will find the website link to read all the details. It is also possible to follow the event online, so don't miss this opportunity. This is Valentina Gritti from the Slow Food Youth Network. See you in the next episode. Ciao!